Today, I invite you to pull up a chair, grab your earbuds, and settle in for a conversation with one of my favorite artists. To say he is a poet is to narrowly define the indefinable. If you know Joel McCarrow, you know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, you are in for a treat. Today is March 5th, 2019, and it's our fifth episode of Season 2 here on Poet Kind. As I look out and see all around me, the world is cloaked in white. The air so still, snow floats both up and down. And that familiar Camus quote comes to mind. In the midst of winter, there was within me an invincible summer. But what's interesting is the larger quote hasn't become something people turn into a meme or write on their walls. And when I think of that, I wonder why. My dear, in the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. And in the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And that makes me happy. For it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. Our guest today falls into the something better pushing right back category. Joel McCarrow is a poet, speaker, teacher, a phenomenal creative with a passion for social justice. He's traveled the world speaking truth, beauty, and life into the spaces he visits, has written three books, is the artist ambassador for the aid and development organization Tier Australia. And I could go on listing his impressive resume, but I want to get right into the conversation with Joel so that you can see just what it is that makes him so special. When we spoke, I didn't even get a proper welcome out before we dove right into conversation, so I'll welcome him now. Joel, if you're listening, welcome. So you saw the video I did with Joy Prouty. I did. That's how I first was introduced to you. And also I I have like a really sad confession to make that that was (laughs) sort of my first introduction to spoken word in that. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was, it blew me away and I have just been ever since. And, but cartography still, I think is my favorite of what I've seen. And I listen to you and my grandkids listen to you. Um, yeah. I can pull you up on, 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 uh, we call it echo. So it doesn't come on all the time. Right. Um, I just say your name and the mysterious few, and then it starts playing and, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, the kids will kind of like oh. march around to the rhythm. It's really fun. So, but cartography and the storytelling oh, of that is just, I don't, I, I, I was captivated. So it was absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. It was such a joy to do, uh, a joy to do with Joy. She's incredible. Um, she's a very dear friend of mine. We're actually doing a podcast together as well, about to release it in the next few weeks, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Part two. You uh, want to tell us a little yeah, bit about that? Oops, sorry. Oh, yeah, I could do that for sure. So it's, it's called The Deep Place okay. uh, on creativity and spirituality. So it kind of looks at the... Um, it looks at kind of the uh, inside life and how our creativity speaks into that, um, how it uh, kind of brings freedom to those areas where we get stuck in and 
um, those those places in our lives that um, I don't know that have held us back that have uh, we uh, yeah we look at lots and lots of different things um, a lot around kind of storytelling and the power of storytelling and yeah it's come together really well it's it's hopefully will be a wonderful thing oh I'm sure it will be when is that going to launch mm. Uh, sometime in the next few weeks. So okay. um, maybe start of March, something like that. Okay. Um, we're not sure exactly yet. We've just got to work out a few more things and um, hopefully soon. Okay. Well, I'll keep my ears open. Yeah. I- I'm excited for that yeah, um, because yeah. I'm, if I am not creating, there is definitely something out of kilter for me. So whether it's I'm yes. painting or writing or I was telling somebody the other day, even if I, I just bake a loaf of bread with my bare hands. If I yeah. am baking, then I, I feel more whole. It's when I'm away from that, that things dissipate. So I'll, I'll be absolutely. listening. Oh, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm absolutely the same if I'm not. Um, and also for me as well, not just if I'm not creating, but also I, I tend to have about uh, five different projects on the go at the same time. I don't um, know what you mean. Which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have like a, a nonfiction book that I've written that I'm getting published this year, actually. And oh, as soon exciting. as that finished, I this day started my next writing my next nonfiction book. Um, but at the same time, I'm writing uh, a fiction book, and I am writing poetry, and I um, my kind of creative hobby that doesn't I've, I find it's really nice to have something that I'm not. Um, that I don't have to be good at kind of like because poetry is my career and my profession. Um, I, it's, it, it's something that I have to, um, in some ways I have to excel in, like I have to, I have to hone my craft and do it really well. And there's that kind of pressure of, um, of this is my thing, but I need something that's not my thing so that, so that I don't feel that pressure as well creatively. So I've started, um, over the last year or two, I've been um, carving wood, um, okay. just little little things of wood. So it started with like ducks and and that kind of thing, and then did you I carve just a horse? A, a hole. Did I did. Yeah. Okay. Where did you I see that? Did that I put online. it up on I, I, Instagram or something? I on saw Instagram you post or something. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that. So I kind of have all my writing and all these creative things that I'm doing, the podcast and all that kind of stuff, but also these things that I um, or as well, like renovating, uh, sorry, restoring old, um, old furniture and that kind of stuff. Just stuff that I get to do with my hands that I don't have to be good at, that no one's going to judge, that I just get to play with. Um, when I've right. got all that happening, I just, that's when my life feels like I'm, I'm doing it well. Well, it's when, when you have that outlet for your creativity that isn't under the microscope, uh, you get some yeah, that's freedom. Right. There's freedom there, but at the same time, I think, does it feed you as well? Because it it lets your mind like take a break, even though you're still creating. Yeah. And I find as well, I find when I'm doing it too, um, and not just with create, when I'm running as well, like I love to go running as kind of getting out from, um, out from the house and I have two toddlers and um, a very crazy life and so if I get to go for a, a run for half an hour or an hour um, it's that my yeah the freedom that I feel it actually then uh, allows me 
that's often when I have my creative ideas um, for my writing, be it like the, the next kind of the way through in my, my fiction story that I'm writing or a poem idea comes to or just something happens either when I'm doing this wood carving stuff or when I'm, um, or when I'm running that it's like my best creative ideas tend to happen then. And when I'm sitting there at the computer typing, it, I can, I can get them out. But often when I get stuck, I'm like, Oh, I just can't get through even though I'm really focused on it. But when I choose to unfocus myself on this, on the specific task and just, yeah, run, create, carve wood, whatever it is. Um, it's like my brain. Yeah. It gives it, the creative freedom it needs to find the solution to whatever that, that problem was that I was finding with my writing. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. When it's not mm. snowing here, which it does a lot, um, I walk and I'll, I'll yeah. walk for four or five miles just, and by the time I get home, it's like, okay, I sit down and I can, I can um, breathe into the ideas that I had a little bit more than, you know, sitting at the canvas or, you know, sitting with, I don't, I don't, I don't write on the computer. I write in crazy little notebooks that are only about like three inches by four inches, but I have a stack of them, but it's like, I get the smaller page for me is less intimidating if that makes sense. And I can just write and write and write and then fold a page over, write, write, write. So yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. I love that. What's your main, what's your main creative output, Susan? Um, you, it's, you're a painter, is that right? I, I am a painter by trade, yeah. I went to school. I have um, an, an, a, a tongue-tied, an MFA in painting. And right. um, I used that after school to go, and I went to school later. I waited till my kids were, were grown almost to go back to yeah. school. But um, I used that and I, my goal was to teach at a college level. And so I worked right, okay. things until I could do that, taught for a while and got just this clear, clear message. I, I can tell you what I was wearing, what I was doing, walking down the hallway, wow. headed to class that said, you are done here. And it's like, no, I just, wow. this is my dream. <laughs> so I literally, I, I walked yeah. away from it. I quit painting. I quit teaching. I, we sold our home. We lived in limbo. And I poured myself into taking care of my grandkids and wow. waited, waited for it to come back. And it came back in the form of writing poetry, which I never, huh. that was not on my radar. So yeah. um, I'd, it's become, I, I'm, I've always been an obsessive reader, but now I just have been devouring yeah. poetry and learning. And um, I, I wrote a poetry book. And I self-published it. It was like this, this, this challenge to do it. And I started, you know, submitting my work to competitions and that sort of thing. And I said, Oh, hang this. This is not for me. I, if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. I don't care if anybody approves of what I'm doing. (laughs) So I published that in the fall. And right now I'm working on a painting exhibition that I have to install in a couple of weeks and writing. Yeah. And I started the podcast That's because great. it was like, you need to do this. You need to do this. I don't want to do this. You need to do it. You need to do it. It's yeah. Like, All right, fine. You know, um, I have a friend of mine, Chris <laughs> Neely, that we've talked and, and she's, she's the one that really opened the door for me to do what I'm doing right. with writing and with yeah. the podcast. And I said it, the only way I can think of it is 
a radical act of obedience because these are things that I never would have done on my own. I'm an introvert. Yeah, yeah. I like being alone. Right. And, you know, so what do I do? I, I talk to people <laughs> and, and, you know, get out of my comfort zone. And so anyhow, yeah. well, enough about That's me. Funny. Now you've written. Oh, first as well, I need to know, I need to know though, where, where am I talking to you? Where are you from? You said it's snowing there. Michigan, the States? Michigan, you asked. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, it's been melting a little bit. Holland on the West coast of, of, uh, or yeah, the West, the Western side of Michigan, but the East coast of okay. Lake Michigan. So we're about a mile walk to Lake Michigan. And okay. So a few hours from Chicago. Three. Yeah. Two and a half to three. Three hours from Chicago. Okay. So yeah, great. Yeah, it's and over the other side from Milwaukee. Is it Milwaukee that's yep. up there? That way. Yep, Milwaukee. So you're on the other side of the lake, north from Chicago, but okay. um, we're like I don't know, an hour and a half across the lake via high speed ferry. Okay. To Milwaukee. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, we're yeah, in a good great. spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. sounds really good. And for our listeners who don't maybe don't aren't familiar with you. You're in Melbourne, yes. Australia, correct? I'm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, down the bottom of Australia in Melbourne. And it's beautiful so country down in, there. It is a lovely country, yeah. We've lived in Melbourne for uh, maybe 14 years. So I grew up just below Sydney okay. uh, on the, the eastern coast of Australia and then moved here, um, yeah, maybe about 14 years ago to Melbourne. Melbourne's a bit more of kind of the, the cultural hub of Australia. So, sure. Um, there's lots of arts and, and cultural stuff that happens here. So it's a, a good place for a poet to live. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about where you came from, yeah. tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to doing what you do now. Sure. Um, I can do that. I am. Um, so my, my background originally, I, um, in terms of career coming out of high school and that kind of stuff, um, my life was all shaped around youth work um, and, and journeying alongside young people um, in whatever way that I could. So I did lots of stuff at youth centers. Um, I was part of a church and that kind of scene. So I became a youth uh, pastor for a while. Um, and then uh, when, I'm, when we moved down here to Melbourne, I was then, um, I did a bunch of work with a um, an organization, kind of a house for young people run okay. by other young people. So my life for a long time and then started working at colleges as well, um, kind of around identity formation and, and self-understanding and um, for a lot of people going into things like youth work and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I was helping to run a course that was like a, a year long, I suppose, get, a get your crap together year before you try to start helping other people. Um, and so um, my life revolved around, around young people, around um, youth work and supporting and coming alongside people in whatever way that I could. So um, that's a lot of what I was doing. And then, um, and then the poetry, well, actually then photography um, around that time, photography took off for me. That was my okay. first kind of creative input. Um, so I became, I, I did work overseas um, in the Sudan and Uganda and, and Thailand. Uh, and as I was doing that work, um, I just had a little camera with me and was taking some photos and, and got back and showed some people the photos and they really, 
they were really moved by some of them. And I, and I thought, Oh, maybe I, I just kind of fell in love with photography. I started taking photos, lots more photos around here. And, and a friend invited me to do it, to um, kind of be the photographer, the guest, the, what is it? Secondary photographer at their wedding. And so I did that. And another friend heard that I was doing that. And so they said, Oh, can you do our, our wedding photography? And so suddenly I had this wedding photography business and I didn't even own that at that point. I didn't even own a, um, a digital SLR. I had this little compact digital <laughs> camera with me. That's all that I owned and, and I was going to be shooting weddings. So I went and bought out a digital SLR. And, and so for a, for a little bit, um, photography became my thing. I was, I, I had a, um, was shooting about 20 or 30 weddings a year and um, doing lots of different, lots of different stuff with that. And then um, while still also doing this, um, this kind of work with young people. And so um, it was around then that, that, poetry as well began to to really take over so um the photography got a little bit less um quite a lot less and and photography and poetry i i just fell in love with writing i to start with it was kind of a um i suppose a therapeutic thing for me a way to process through um it was on that trip and and some other trips um overseas that i had just some really full on encounters and experiences that were out of my, absolutely out of my comfort zone and made me really question a lot about my life and, and my faith, my understanding of the world and God and how it all works together and um, seeing poverty and the reality of our world and, mm-hmm. and having never experienced that before. My life was just shattered and I, and I needed some way to process through that. And that's really where my poetry began. Um, as a way to kind of reflect on that that kind of stuff, I then I then became very obsessed with it. Poetry totally took over my life, um, and so uh, I started doing writing, and and I kind of ended up combining both of these things of the the whole um, identity formation of young people and and creativity and writing. I ended up bringing them both together. I started an organisation called the Centre for Peace and Justice. Um, which no longer runs anymore because um, we all scattered and went our separate ways after a few years. But um, it was kind of a way for, it was a bunch of us performing poets who were going to schools and juvenile justice centres into prisons, into refugee communities, Indigenous communities, and use poetry and storytelling as a way for young people to reflect on their identity, for them to find their voice, for them to declare who they are. Um, it was a really, really special time. So. Um, I kind of yeah ended up ended up combining these two loves of mine of, of identity formation of young people and, and poetry. They both came together in what I was doing, um, and it all just kind of snowballed from there. I ended up kind of becoming a full time poet and um, doing lots of. So I still do I do lots of stuff in schools um, and in different organisations and communities and community centres. I am now I'm the artist ambassador for Tier Australia, which is an aid and development organisation. Um, that work with the poorest of the poor around the world and and also in terms of what they do with and what my big job is what my big role I suppose is is to try to move people beyond um, using poetry to move people beyond just charity when it comes to the reality of our world often we think if we um, throw a few dollars at the world's issues it'll be fine but um, kind of using poetry to challenge people yeah empathy and lifestyle change and all that kind of yeah. stuff and so 
Um, so I love doing all that, um, essentially trying to, I never want my, my poetry just to be about me. Like poetry can be a very, I don't know, self-grandizing, self-focused thing. Um, well, I is the general pronoun when most poets write. Yes, that's so. right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, so I'm always, I'm trying, I always try to connect whatever I do in my poetry, especially up to something larger than myself to, uh, to a larger reality that I can give it to and pour it into. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's a little bit of my story. Yeah. And you've also written, you've written three books already, right? You've got a couple of, are they all three poetry books? I know two of them are. Um, your most recent one, I have it on my wish list, Hollowed Out Lungs. That one, yes, that's I'm going right. to order it here as soon as I can. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And then you have be great. Yes. Wandering Feet and Beyond Rhetoric. Is Beyond Rhetoric, rhetoric a right. poetry book too? It is, yeah. Okay. So it's called Beyond Rhetoric Writings in the Tradition of Khalil Gibran. If okay. you know Khalil Gibran wrote The Prophet. Um, so a Lebanese recognize uh, the name, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm still on the, the upswing on the learning. So, oh, well, you have to read the, the prophet by Carlo Gibran. It will change your life is amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Incredible, incredible philosopher, writer, poet. Um, he Lebanese man who wrote, uh, he actually wrote the prophet while he was in New York city around New York city, living there for a few years. Okay. So, um, so it's in, so Beyond Rhetoric is in the same style. It's kind of what I call kind of the, the poetic wisdom literature, I suppose you could say. So it's, okay. um, it's poetry, but it's set up as a fable. Um, yeah, so I love, that's my first book. And then These Wandering Feet is a book around, um, uh, my wife and I essentially went on basically what happened at some point during all of that, all of what I just shared before about my life. Um, I was running, uh, so I was full-time at a college and then Center for Poetics and Justice really took off and I was doing that uh, kind of essentially full-time as well. Um, so within within kind of two years, I had really, I was doing two full-time jobs. Mm. I was married. I was trying to do my own poetry as well. I was, my life was uh, way too full. And so we just felt like we needed to stop everything. Um, so for 18 months, uh, we... So we we sold all that we had um, or stored some stuff at Heidi's parents and we went with our packs on our backs for 18 months and tripped wow. around the world with a with a kind of a focus on, on pilgrimage, on going back to uh, the land of my ancestors, to Scotland, um, and um, going to some really pivotal um, people who have really inspired me and moved me, Khalid Gibran being one and... Uh, my my favorite author and, and of all time is a guy named John O'Donohue. A, a oh, absolutely! Yeah, I yeah. love him. He's fantastic. So going to places like going to his gravesite uh, in in Ireland, and um, I got to go to the grave of my great 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 grandfather wow. in Scotland. That's and lineage. So we just had. Yeah, so we had like 18 months essentially of tripping. We went through the US and we were, I was still doing poetry as I went. We did a bunch of festivals and I um, poetry kind of kept money coming in so we could keep traveling and then went over to Europe and to Scotland and Ireland. And, and 
these wandering feet came out of that. It was all of my 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 pilgrimage poetry, my reflections as I was okay. as I was traveling around the world. Yeah, and then this latest one, hollowed out lungs. Um, it's my book from kind of the last five or so years of of my writings. My my creative challenge of writing a poem every day is that's the the creative discipline that I give myself um, to write every day. And so this was a compilation. Um, hollowed out lungs is a bunch of those poems coming together into one book yeah okay wow that's awesome yeah. And you've got, yeah two more on the way but they're not poetry right is that what you said at no, the yeah yeah that's right so i've got a fiction book that i'm writing at the moment um which i'm maybe 80 percent just through the first draft so it'll be a long time till that that becomes anything uh the other book that i'm uh, got happening uh, that's being published over here is uh, called Woven, a spirituality for the dissatisfied. Oh, so it's that been, sounds really November. good. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a book that kind of looks at, um, essentially it takes all that identity formation and, and kind of spiritual journey work that I was doing with young people, uh, looks at how we are um, sculpted by, Kind of the nurturing communities that we grow up with, that we grow up in. So our family, be it church or or a mosque or society, all that kind of the, the shaping, sculpting like. influences on our life. Yeah, and kind of then how um, how the reality of life happens, the um, the crap hits the fan, I suppose you could say, and and all that you once thought was truth and absolute and foundational and this is the way that life is and kind of that that approach right and everyone else is wrong suddenly all that's thrown up in the air Um, and it's what i call our our unraveled self where we question and we challenge and we rebel and we experiment and we doubt and wrestle and struggle and all those things are actually really wonderful things like they're needed things often they're not seen as that but but we have to go through that. We have to be willing to come to our own understandings of the world, of life, of God, of, of all that kind of thing. And so the book revolves around why it's called Woven is because it's all about kind of how to, how to hold those unraveled threads together, how to, how to do the journey of, um, some people would call it the deconstruction of what was, how to do the, the journey of deconstruction into reconstruction, how to do that healthily and, and well, and not just kind of, um, uh, I don't know, piss off everyone around you, not just push people away, not just break right. relationships, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a little bit about what the book is about. Oh, that's really exciting. I'll make sure to, to keep my eyes open for that and also to share yeah. it once it comes out um, to remind people to, mm. to take a look at it and, and get it, get their hands on great. it as well. So, yeah. yeah. Now you, you mentioned John O'Donohue and then, um, yes. What was the other writer's name that wrote the Carlo prophets? Gibran. Okay. Carlo Gibran. Carlo Gibran. Yeah. Do you have, do you have any other poets that you found formative or any other just writers in general or creatives in general mm-hmm. that, that give you that fuel? in certain times or that influenced you to really push forward initially? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Those two would be huge for me. Others, um, others would be our our dear Mary Oliver who just passed away recently. Ah, Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. I've been very impacted and influenced by her work. Um, I really, really love Mary's, Mary's stuff. Uh, A bunch of the old Sufi poets. Um, So Rumi Mm -hmm. uh, and Hafiz. 
that kind of old old spiritual poetry um, has really inspired me over the years. Um, probably a bunch of, in terms of writing as well, um, well, actually, in terms of performance poetry, so because I, not only do I write my poetry, but I'm probably most known for my performance of poetry. Yeah. So a bunch of performance poets have really impacted me. Um, guys like Shane Koizan, who's a Canadian performance okay. poet, and uh, and Anis Mojgani, who's, a, who's an American poet. Um, uh, who else? Um, Sarah Kay is another quite famous poet that I've really, really loved her work. There's, there's, there's so many. Um, yeah, I, I get inspired by a lot of different people, even writing in general. So my favorite, um, my favorite fiction book is, um, Marcus Zusak's The Book Thief. Have you oh, read The Book a, Thief? That is a marvelous book. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Really incredible. So his writing always inspires, uh, inspires me. Um, any anyone who can write kind of like that in that very poetic, lyrical, mm-hmm. um, wonderful phrasing of things. Writers like Anne Lamott, um, uh, Anne Voskamp. I'm a I'm a big yep. Anne Voskamp fan. She's a, she's a Christian writer. Um, yeah. Then then other writers as well. Screenwriters like I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. So The West okay. Wing and The Newsroom and and those kind of um, kind of witty, fast pace. Um, interesting dialogue kind of kind of thing yeah lots of lot i'm inspired lots, by a lot of different lots of inspiration yeah. well, i think that's great yeah now i'm, I'm um, going to do something that um i like to ask poets to read a piece if and i'm putting you on the spot i didn't warn you ahead that i was going to ask okay. would you be willing to share some of your work uh, you know a piece that's yeah, absolutely. favorite um it's to me it's much more powerful to hear someone speak their own words than for me to open yeah. the book and, and read it for the listener. So I'd love to hear you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I can do that. Let me read. Um, I'm just finding one here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm finding this one close to my heart at the moment. Okay. Um, it's called The Brave Ones. Mm. Uh, I wrote it maybe two years ago. Um, so it's part of my book, Hollowed Out Lungs. On the pavement outside the restaurant, we spoke of how life changes and the moments that make us. And, and she remembered being babysat at our house and she remembered my eating of a tomato sauce sandwich and the sauce dripping down my cheek. And, and I'm his late, my 18th birthday, Rebecca and her had picked me up from my house and we'd driven down to the beach and the storm gathered out at sea like a like a curious puppy learning of the loudness of its bark. And we had stood at the edge of the ocean where the waves kissed the cliff face next to the lighthouse. We stood looking out to the sea and we dared that puppy dog storm to come at us. She listened and she came bounding. And what else can you do in such a moment but dance. So we danced, wild and unrestrained. We screamed and we yelled. The storm barked so loudly, thrashed wildly, and we three wilder and wilder still limbs like storm body jerking, barking, and somewhere in the loose movement I let myself go. I lost all sense of the tightness of my skin 
and I let the storm come in. It was the first time that I ever did that, surrendered. The thunder crashing and the wind whipping and the lightning striking and the ocean pounding and the three of us all screaming. Everything was alive that night. Everything was filled with life and luminosity, including myself. I was alive. Everything was screaming that night, including myself. Everything is always wind and storm. And wouldn't we always be the brave ones to turn and face into the surge and bellow back? And then Rebecca died. Years later, the, the first girlfriend that I ever had, my first teenage love in her sleep, she died. And we remembered this too. The two of us standing there outside the restaurant, her child eating burgers, tomato sauce dripping down his cheek. We remembered where we were when we had heard that she had died. I had taken all the photos I had of her, including one taken of the three of us that wild night. I laid them out on the floor all around me. I wrote her a letter that I could never send. I could not get to the funeral, so I buried her inside me instead. And wouldn't we always be the brave ones to turn and face into the surge and bellow back? Wouldn't we always be the brave ones? So my old friend tells me how she has just split with her husband and she feels a widow at 33 and I let the tears come. I hold her arm. Wouldn't we always be the brave ones? The cliff face is still there. I stand on its edge whenever I go home, looking out to the ocean. So I go there that night after talking with my old friend at the restaurant and, and I scream at the top of my lungs. And then, then I began to dance. Yeah, so that's, that's the brave ones. That just, it's so... Um... I, there's just not words. I wish I could describe like the physical reaction, like my heart races mm. and my blood pumps mm. and then it stops and then it, it's hard to breathe yeah. and it's beautiful. And that's why I just became so um, entranced by your work because you, you, you capture your listeners by the heart and you hold them and you mm, rattle you. them and you tell them a story but you, you make yeah. them part of it. And that's just, yeah. oh, thank you so much. That was really uh, wonderful. It's <laughs> so. my, my honor to read it. I actually, uh, I think this, this is meaning a lot to me, this one at the moment, because just a few weeks ago um, at Christmas, I was up at, um, I was up at my house again. So um, up where I, where I grew up in Sydney or just below Sydney in Wollongong. And um I went to kind of the Christmas Eve church service with my parents to this old church that I'd grown up in. And it was where um, Rebecca, this, this, the first girlfriend that I had as a teenager who, who died a few years later, um, her mum was there and her mum was at the, the church service. Mm. And um, she saw me and I, I didn't, she'd actually heard me, but my mum had, my mum had 
um, Steve had been talking with her one day and had actually shared this poem with um, with Rebecca's mum. And and so she came, she rushed over as soon as the service finished and and she was just in tears mm. and and was um it was just a beautiful moment. She gave me a huge hug and just said thank you so much for honoring honoring Rebecca and her life and um so it's it's one of those ones that I'm 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 reading a lot at the moment because uh, it it moves me as much as it moves my readers and it reminds me of of um, of who I am and who we are in the face of um, in the face of all these hard things that happen the reality of our lives of this friend who was splitting with her husband of of the death of this beautiful incredible woman. Um, Rebecca who died she died just before she was engaged to be married and she mm. she died just before um, a few months before her wedding and kind of just the, the poem for me calls me back to remembering um, remembering those moments and remembering the um, the storms of life and how they can so drench us and and ruin us or somehow can we find movement in the storm can we scream in the storm can we even dance in the storm can we um can we be the brave ones in the face of all this so i'm, I'm i hope that that's what the, the poem kind of communicates oh it does absolutely mm. and it, mm. it it gives i don't know it just gives me chills to hear it and yeah, you've said it all. I, I can't say anything else about mm. it. <laughs> so it's just totally beautiful. Fine. So thank you. Thank um, you. I, I want to kind of draw things to a close so I don't take too much of your morning away from you. Um, no worries. What sort of advice would you offer, you know, the beginning poet? I don't want to say young. I'm not young, but I'm more of a beginning poet. And there's a lot yeah, of beginning yeah. poets out there that, of all ages. What yeah. would you, what would you, what would you give them to take, take along with them to encourage them um, to, you know, keep going when, when, you know, you're sitting and writing and you're going, this is, this is dumb. I can't do this. This is I'm not yeah, good. This yeah. is horrible. You know, what should I yeah. do? I think I should just yeah. go make dinner and just not come back here. <laughs> you know? so yeah. What can yeah, you yeah, tell yeah. people? Well, one of the, one of the things that I always say to my students is that um, just on a practical level first is that the, the thing that will stop you writing good poetry is, is trying to write good poetry. Um, we get so stuck up in our heads of what this should look like uh, and it actually hinders us. It hinders our creative freedom. And so for me, the process is always to, um, if I'm sitting there and I'm writing and it's, and it's crap and it's not going anywhere, to, to know in myself. And again, what I always say to my students is the only way to write good poetry, therefore, is to write tons and tons and tons of crap poetry. It's the only way to get there, um, just to write and write. To, and that's our job. Our job is to show up and write and not judge whether it's good or it's bad or, or anything like that. So to begin with, to give ourselves the freedom to just to craft whatever wants to come out of our inside spaces, the, the hard things, the glorious things, the wonderful things, the, the 
horrendous things. If we are, um, I often talk about we, we need to hold together both our, um, our aching pain and our delicious hope mm. in our writing. That, that we, some of us, we get too transfixed on, on the delicious hope side, on the good side of things, and we, we're not willing to go there to those darker places and, and lamentful places, to, to the sorrowful places, but we actually need to go there. We need to open those doors and being willing to, um, to go to those places. If, if we have, let me put a, a, um, something around that, if we have a good support network to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely not saying to people who are listening, if you're really struggling in life, then you have to go into the dark places. You need to have support around you. Um, and a community, creative community around you, and 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 that kind of thing. Um, but because some of them, we get really fixed on the um, on the aching pain. We in our lives in general, we but we we live those victim kind of lives where everything is woeful and everything goes wrong, and um, and the world sucks, and and we get so transfixed on the. Um, the horrendous, the horrendous realities that we don't, that we're not willing to grab a hold of the the delicious hope because the the aching pain has so become our identity, so become who we are. The thought of anything else is is way too far. And so, I actually think the job of the artist for me to begin with is is to hold together the aching pain and the delicious hope, to not let either of those two go, and to craft, to write out of that, to to write crap poetry out of that to start with and then to begin to my encouragement would then be to um to take that and to do the hard crafting work to do the if that's if the initial so i always start with an initial dump of writing kind of a flow of conscious um pen to paper my flow of conscious is where your pen's not allowed to stop moving i just write 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 and whatever comes out comes out um, and I and I don't judge whether it's good or bad, but I then come back to that writing, and th- and I find what's what might be working within it, even if it's just one sentence or one image or one idea, or it could be the whole chunk of writing, and that's when I then take that, and this is when I bring it into my computer and I start to to craft it up as a poem, and so work out sentence and line structure. I start to work out, okay, there's that's a cliche there. Let me let me get through that cliche and and break away from the cliche in whatever way that I can because I don't want to oh, I don't want to do that or there's too many mixed metaphors here let me change that around let me bring in some alliteration or take out the rhyming because I don't want any whatever it might be this that's when the editing and hard work happens um, and both parts of this I think the initial dump out of our out of our aching pain and delicious hope is really important and the freedom to do that and then also, if we want our work to be something that's not just for us, to then take that and spend the time, the crafting it, the, the, to not be lazy with our language. Poetry is all about not being lazy with our language. To sit there and, in the, and force yourself to, um, to do the hard editing work. And um, funnily enough, for me, that's actually now I... I, I used to hate the editing work, like as a, as a school kid for essays and creative writing, whatever it was, I just, and even university, like I just hated doing that editing, but now I love it. It's like, mm. I actually prefer the editing, the taking what I've dumped down um, and, and crafting that into beautiful language and, and 
um, trying to bring the depth of meaning in as, as simple way as I can. And um, I actually love that more so than the dumping now, um, which is fascinating. That's for me, it's fascinating that that's changed for me. So I would say to people, um, one, keep going, write every day, write crap poetry every day. Um, and then take that crap poetry and hone your crafting and editing skills to find the good stuff within that. And then be brave, be, be so very brave to take that and to hold it out to the world um, and say, come and have a look, come and have a look at my aching pain and my delicious hope, <laughs> whether that's in book form or in um, or sending articles, sending submissions into things, whether it's as a performance poet, going to a local um, open mic night or poetry slam and getting up and sharing, or whether you're part of a community or a church or something where you can get up and share your words and, and really authentically and vulnerably share them. Um, that, that really when the beautiful stuff begins to happen um, is I, I think our... As again, what I often say to my students is the scribblings in your journals are the words the world needs to hear. We need to hear these deep stories about who we are. We need to hear them from each other so that we can truly see each other, so that we can see that if we're, if we're telling, being willing to tell our stories and listen to stories, especially stories of people who aren't in our cultural bubbles and cultural fishbowls, they're the most important stories for us to hear. Um, that's one beautiful creative things happen Two beautiful social things happening. That's when our, I, I think that's, that, that's why we could say that creativity will save the world. What people have said, creativity heals the world, mm -hmm. um, because it allows us to see each other, to see that behind the, behind the people that I want to find someone, there is a person with a story who a a story not just of black and white a colorful a gray a a story that is that is their life and for them to be able to share that and for me to listen that's what's actually i think going to bring down the fences that there's so much divisiveness in our world especially in in america at the moment it is in australia as well but so much divisiveness yeah in the states so i think creativity is actually could actually be our way forward could be our way forward to begin to to listen well to each other so there's some, there's both some practical tips and some philosophical ideas about um, life and society no perfect that's what I, I know a lot of people out there that are yeah. just like will be drinking this in and also just like nodding along going yes yes so thank you for that. That was wonderful. Um, now i want as many people as possible to find you and sure. would you, do you have, you know, share some social media links? Where can they find yeah, your yeah. work? Where I'm could they me. buy your books if they want to do that? Yeah, totally. So uh, my website is joelmccarrow.com, J-O-E-L-M-C-K-E-R-R-O-W, joelmccarrow.com. Uh, and then all my social media is is that as well. So Joel McCarrow Poet on Instagram is probably one of the main ones that I use and, and Facebook, Joel McCarrow. Um, so you can find me there. Um, this, this podcast will, is the deep place that will be coming out soon. So maybe keep an, keep an ear out. Or if you join my social media, you'll be able to hear about that. Okay. Um, coming out soon and my books and all that kind of stuff. So you can see videos and, and get books and, and my albums that I've done spoken word albums with music and stuff all from joelmccarrow.com. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, 
yeah, I can't tell you, this has just been a remarkable experience. It has been a delight to sit down with you and, um, for my listeners, bummer for you. I got to look at him face to face and enjoy <laughs> experience. So it was wonderful. Thank um, thank you for uh, opening your heart now. to, to somebody who just, you know, out of the blue connected with you and said, Hey, <laughs> let's chat. So, um, Time I appreciate that. So Joel, you yeah, have a, a fantastic day and thank you so much for, yeah, for joining us. I hope you noticed at the beginning of our conversation that Joel and Joy Prouty are working on a podcast. It launched yesterday and it is so good. Please make sure you find The Deep Place. Subscribe and you'll be filled, encouraged. You'll find that something stronger. The Deep Place is on Instagram and Facebook and all your favorite podcast platforms. To learn more about Joel McCaro and his work, visit joelmccaro.com or just type in his name in your browser and you'll find links to his videos, his website, and all kinds of great information right there. That's it for today. I hope you found a welcome here, a creative hospitality here, a place you belong. The generative process is one of growth, and when we can share that without falling into the trap of comparison, we can find that place to belong. Let's continue to compare notes, not compare ourselves. Let's learn and grow together, shall we? Please follow PoetKind on Instagram and Twitter. That's PoetKind Podcast, all one word. Join the conversation, message us, and you can connect via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, your thoughts, recommendations for guests, your poetry. We want to provide more of what you want to hear. And remember, if you like what you find here, leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. When you do this, it lets them know we're bringing something good to the table. So until next time, be generative. Create the life you long for now and enjoy the rest of today.